The Frequency 49 show is brought to you by Niner Empire GB. Welcome to the Frequency 49 show. I'm Kat Victorino and joining me today are Deepak Gohill and Simon Holdsworth. Good evening, guys. Hey, everyone. Good Long time no talk, Deepak. Welcome to your first episode of the season. How are you doing? I'm doing okay, all things considered. <laughs> it kind of sucks being a 49er fan right now, doesn't it? <laughs> you kind of never get used to the pain, do you? <laughs> well, before we started recording, Simon said it's always the hope that kills you, and boy, is he right. There he so this last week, let's take a look at the game. Uh, we welcomed this our Arizona Cardinals to Levi Stadium, and in pure candlestick uh, curse fashion, the Niners lost 31 to 17. Garoppolo was 28 for 40 with 326 yards, two touchdowns, an interception, and a 100.6 passer rating. McCoy was a 20 was 22 for 26, 249 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, and a 119.4 passer rating. Um. Now, in my opinion, guys, even though it was a crappy game, Garoppolo looked pretty solid. What looked awful to me was the receivers and the offensive line. You, you can blame a lot of people for why we lost this game. And I think if we have to be honest, Jimmy Garoppolo would be sort of near the bottom of the pile as to reasons why we lost. But this game. how can you make Colt Mahomes look that good? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just insanity. But Garoppolo, yeah, to his credit, and that interception did come in garbage time. So uh, I wouldn't say he gets a free pass, but if we're going to be pointing fingers, he really wouldn't be at the top of my list of people to to yell at. No, definitely not. I mean, a lot of winning this game was put purely on his shoulders because the defense leaked like a broken fridge, and um, and we abandoned the run game really early. I, I, I don't understand, you know, Shanahan's offense and the 49ers, everything good that we've done has been based on a solid run game. And we just, I think we had the, the least amount of rushes in the game for, for a hell of a long while. It just didn't make any sense. Well, I mean, we I was going to point that out because we had Mitchell who had eight for 36. Ayuk had one for a negative two. Hasty had one for two. Garoppolo ran for three yards. There's no run game in that game. I mean, it was like Mitchell got the, the 36 yards and we're done. So why abandon something that you know works? Just going by what you've said, that's 11 carries, Cap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 11 carries. 11. For a run strong, a team that's historically pretty good with the run, you know. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I just cannot explain it. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm out. We're all, I think we're all kind of right there right now. I don't get it. I don't know what's wrong with this team other than everything. They, they just lack leadership right from, from, the, from the sidelines. I read an article during the week that, you know, after the 2019 Super Bowl run, we lost, we lost Joe Staley um, DeForest Bu- and DeForest Buckner. And, and the, the three of the main leadership voices were Joe Staley, DeForest Buckner and, and Richard Sherman, who only sort of hung around for, a, for one more year. You know, who are the you know, the veterans who are going to pick the team up when all around them is crumbling, that, you know, Trent Williams is a solid player. He's probably the best in the league at his position, but is he a vocal kind of player? I'm not so sure. Fred Warner's trying, but he can't do it on his own. Um, Kittle is more of a an inspirational leader instead of a, 
um, you know, pick everybody up. He just kind of lets his lets his lets his player do the do the leading. So it just, just just feels like we're a bit of a rudderless ship at the moment. I think um, you know, Simon, that's so true. We we are bereft of of real leaders. You know, the, I'm talking about the Ronnie Lots and the Montanas. You know, they have respect of their offense and defense. They mm-hmm. pick players up when things were down. You yeah. know. On the offensive side, yeah, Kittle is definitely, as you described, an inspirational leader. He's not a chest thumper that's saying, come on, everybody, we've got to do this. That responsibility for me always sort of shoulders on the quarterback on an offense, okay? Yeah. Kittle one has to be the guy that picks everybody and says, we can do this. Now, despite all of his flaws, Jimmy G, much maligned as he is, is incredibly popular in the locker room. So they all seem to like him a lot. But I never seem to see that like turn into a general on the field in terms of, you know, we're accountable, we're responsible, you do this, you do that, and I'm going to do this. It's about leading by example. And I think the reason why we are so bereft of leading people who can lead by example is because there isn't much example for anyone to follow, you know, the the Mm -hmm. playing side. And similarly, as you rightly said, the leadership comes from the quarterback. Now, we started the season with quarterback controversy, and that you know, that Kyle Shanahan and 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 John Lynch have have kind of by proxy eroded that leadership away. Jimmy doesn't know whether he's going to start from one week to the next. They brought a a kid in who they traded up in the draft for, who thought he might have been starting and isn't starting. So you know, were we doomed to fail right from the very start? You know, this is something that I think went over everybody's heads. When we signed Lance, you know, there's a mixed reaction. Some are like, well, let's see what he can do. And some are like, oh, my God, why did we trade the farm just for this? We could have got this guy in the first, later in the first. But the point that I want to make is when they drafted him, who did they think would mentor him the following season? Because even last season, we knew this would be Garoppolo's last. So yeah. who they think would be a rookie's mentor for season two? Did they <laughs> did they think he was ready, oven ready to to come out and play in the NFL after a season, or or what was the rationale behind that? Because Montana sat, Brett Favre sat, Aaron Rodgers sat, Patrick Steve Mahomes Young sat. sat. You <laughs> uh, all know how he ended up. You know, the best quarterback in my opinion ever to play for the 49ers. So, what were they thinking when they drafted that kid? But without the support and infrastructure that he needs around him in terms of leadership and a mentor, because he doesn't really have one, does he? I mean, look at Garoppolo. He's okay, but is he a mentor-type quarterback? I I, I don't think he is. And Shanahan is an offensive genius. I think he's too busy scripting plays to really take a player under his wing and and teach him the finer finer art of of quarterbacking. And and I think this is something that's going to bite us on the bottom next season. Speaking to the mentorship versus leadership, I actually think those are, for me, are two different things, only because I see it in my work. Um, you can be a great mentor and mentor that playbook and mentor that position and, you know, just be the best at mentoring somebody and still be a terrible leader. Well, I see yeah. it every day, you know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it it goes hand in hand with the complete lack of clarity, though. You know, mm-hmm. at the start of the season, Kyle Shanahan should have said, Trace, we've drafted you. We went to get you because we believe in you. But this is your season to sit. We'll work with you in training. We'll go through the playbook so that when you're ready to start, you're absolutely ready. 
Jimmy, this is your year. You take the team forward and try and get us as far into the playoffs as you possibly can. There hasn't been that. And I think the worst thing that can happen out of this is that we might get another Alex Smith on our hands who could have been an all-pro, you know, with the right yeah. coaching, the right stability, the right men- mentorship, as it, as you put it. He could have been so much more than he ended up being, you know. And so we could have a red-hot talent on our hands, but we don't know how to, to mould him into something more. Or and it's awful him. for the kid himself to yeah. fizzle away into nothing, you know, and be remembered for being that guy who a team traded three first-round picks for, ended up being another Trent Dilfer. You know, it'd be awful for that kid. It would. Yeah, it would. And he seems like a genuinely... You know, he seems like the type of kid we want on the team in terms of his personality. He's very forthcoming. He's very personable. He seems to reach out to people, you know, quick to smile. But you know, is that going to translate into the leadership piece? But then again, is he going to get a chance? And, you know, there's just so much unknown yeah. with this team right now that it, it kind of has the Niner Empire in a tizzy because, we don't know if the team's coming or going anymore. Yeah, and what you said there, Kat, I mean, I, I have silly sayings for lots of different things. And one of my favorite ones is everyone's nice to each other when they're kissing, you know. <laughs> exactly. And when they're not, it's uh, <laughs> different, you know. It, it just is, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at poor old Ayuk for a start. What's he yeah. done? to get on anybody's case you know and uh it, it is just poor utilization of mm-hmm. strategy and and personnel on the field and i think that finger has to wag it mr shanahan well in this doghouse ridiculousness you know okay fine do it for a game but you do it beyond a game and then you're putting the rest of the season in jeopardy because look at how we're playing yeah, I mean, it, it, it smacks of a, a, a disenchanted locker room, doesn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. you only have to look at, I mean, Josh Norman, who is a veteran, that taunting penalty that he got, I mean, that guy is an idiot. But where are the leaders pulling him to one side? And it was it, it was uh, Tevon Wilson, who was the guy pulling him away. Where are the leaders, of, you know, who are right. on, the, on the field saying, what the hell are you doing? Getting a message to the sideline, get this guy off. You know, he's a, mm-hmm. he's a disaster. What you've just described, there are two things. One, an experienced veteran who should know better doing yeah. stuff like that. And mm-hmm. then the second thing is nobody stopped him or, or seemed to care. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So it indicates that it's not the player that's the problem, even though he's got a problem. It's other things that are wrong. And it's not. Culturally, we're wrong, I think. Yeah, there's there's a sense of apathy almost uh, within not only the play and play calling, but in execution. You know, it's like I feel like a lot of the times they're just going out on the field and just going through the motions. Do, do we think that Kyle Shanahan's lost the locker room? <sighs> he could have. I'll tell you what, Simon. Did you see the um, the post game from the locker room after we beat Chicago? I did. Yeah. I've never heard him drop so many f bombs in my life. No, you know, no, no. He, dropping them left, right, and center, and that sort of told me that. He's under some kind of pressure or he has to show something to someone. So, I mean, has he lost the locker room? I I would say possibly not, because you've got to remember, he's not that much older than the players he's coached. No, he isn't. (laughs) True. (laughs) He's a young guy, you know, and 
I think I wouldn't say he's lost the locker room, but he's losing it, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm wondering if there's a little bit of distrust going on in the locker room with with the coach. Just because I, you know, we've been complaining about it all year. You know, we keep giving up on the run. We keep, um, we're not making adjustments during the game when we need to. We're slow to start or we're slow to finish. Or, you know, it. I just, I feel like, <laughs> like I said, that apathy is kicked in. And and I think it's, it's from the top down. I really do. There's no yeah. creativity in the play calling anymore. There's no creativity in the game plan anymore. It, it, it just feels like we're tra- trying to rehash the 2019 team. And it's not the 2019 team. It's not the same skill set. Yeah. And it's kind of like, well, uh, that worked for us in 2019. Um, it'll work for us now, regardless of the personnel. And it just doesn't. I'm going to use another one of my sayings. <laughs> I, I think we're trying to push aside good for the sake of being perfect. And sometimes yeah. good is good enough, you know? Yeah. That's, yeah. I like that one. And you know what? That's a very good point. <clears throat> you How know, often I, do we kill ourselves trying to strive for perfection? Yeah. yeah. You look at the defense, the dropping tackles. You know why? They're trying to make big plays. They're trying to make the big hit. They're trying to make a pick. They're trying to do everything except tackle, which is the bread and butter. Yeah. You know, yeah, so the, the, amount of, the amount of bad angles that they're taking is unbelievable. It's so frustrating. What? And, and this is because there isn't discipline. You know, your job is to stop that guy. If you can get a pick, fine. If you can force a fumble, fine. And even if we do force a fumble, we never recover it. So, but they're trying oh, to make big, <laughs> they're trying to make these big, big plays and trying to be perfect when all they have to do is just tackle. And every single defensive player in the National Football League can tackle. Okay, they can. It's a prerequisite. You cannot play defense in the NFL if you cannot tackle. That's just the end of the story. So yeah. why aren't they doing it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not and finishing the play. Not finishing the play, but why are they not finishing the play? What is stopping them? What is making them think, I need to get a pick. I need a highlight reel thing for everybody to clap at practice the next day when we play. But why is that the attitude instead of we need to stop them? Doing the basics right in defense creates pressure. So you're, you, you, you shut a player down and don't, but don't let the offense get big plays. It builds pressure. And that's where your turnovers come from because the offense has to do something different to try and stretch the field. But the minute you take a bad angle and the offense breaks off a big play, that pressure, it's like releasing a pressure valve. Yeah, and you the, see it every week. Look, what were we, third? Did they have a third and 18, was it? They and did. Col- <laughs> and Col- ran for it or something like that. It was stupid, something stupid. I can't remember the exact play, but it, it was like, what? <clears throat> You're absolutely right. And for me, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's happened before on third and long, okay? Yeah. And what happened there was nothing other than the defensive coordinator actually called a prevent defense. Yeah. Okay? So you call a prevent D when you're up by 30 in garbage time, like the two-minute warning's over. They've got the ball, and you know they're going to throw it long. Fine. Let them have a first down, maybe 15, but not, no more than that. This right. moron called a prevent defense – in the first quarter, whilst we're down by 17. And yeah. think about that for a second. Now, this is not the first time he's done it. He did it towards the end of the game against Detroit, if you remember. Yeah. And ended up being unnecessarily closed because this guy is playing a prevent defense. So if you're someone like Fred Warner, who's 
probably the best linebacker in the NFL. He's being asked to play a prevent defense when it's probably the most inappropriate call you could make. I, I put it on our Facebook. You know, I make Madden plays that would make him weep. I call. <laughs> But when a football player like Fred Warner has to go out and play a prevent defense in the first quarter, yeah. I mean, that that man is not fit for purpose. He should have been kicked out of the building before the end of the the quarter ended. That's unforgivable. You just don't do that. You know, that's no. that's insanity. And, and yet, when they're on the road, the defense is incredible. Maybe they don't have the pressure of Levi's, but now what difference does it make? We've gone over a year without winning at home. I mean, it's 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 awful. It's it's insane. It's, it's scandalous. But you say that, Cap, but it was in Detroit on I think it was the first game of the season, wasn't it? And he called a prevent defense at the end of the game and let them back into it. And yeah, they scored two. Even when, they were, even when they were coming back into it, he still played a prevent defense and. I think if your D coordinator is making you play play a set like that, then as a player, you know you are going to get burnt. You are going to drop a tackle. You are going to to royally screw up because you're put in a position where that's more likely to happen than not happen because of the of what you've been asked to play. And uh, and and I think that finger of blame goes squarely on D'Amico Ryan's. I mean, he, he's not fit to be a, a defensive coordinator in the National Football League. So I'm going to real quick go through some advanced stats that Mark got gathered for us. And then I have a new little segment that Mark put together for me um, that we're doing just for Graham Ross. So, uh, but I don't want to dismiss Mark's hard work. He gets us these great stats every week and we just kind of tend to skim over them. And I, you know, like it's kind of a disservice to him. So, Ugly truth, you guys. The Cardinals sacked Garoppolo five times. Uh, Warner did lead the team with nine tackles, seven solo, two assisted. We only sacked McCoy two times. Armstead got him for one, and Arden Key got one. Again, no turnovers, no forced turnovers. We lost two fumbles. Uh, The drop percentage this season, this was really interesting. We are first with a 7.6% drop percentage. Miami is second with a 6.8. The Jets are third with 6.7. Again, fumble percentage. Miami is number one with a 3.5. The Texans are number two with a 3.3. And the Niners are also number two with a 3.3. So we're in some um, pretty interesting company with some of these stats. Um. Over Shanahan's five seasons, the 49ers have had the second highest drop percentage in football, 6.4, and the ninth highest fumble percentage, 2.7. Hang on, Kat, just back up for a second. Over how many seasons? Oh, uh, his five seasons. Okay, and who's been QB1 for the majority of that time? It's Jimmy G. And he's been injured. Most of that time. He's throwing Hail Marys to people. Yeah. And to their credit, they try and make the play. And sometimes mm-hmm. they get hit. And they come down and they get hit. They get pounded. And more often than not, they get injured. And exactly. you are going to drop the ball if you're not catching it in stride, if you're completely exposed in the middle. And I think that stat there is um, is a nod to poor choice of QB1. That's yeah, and he's, he, he, has, he is inaccurate. 
And another thing that drives my husband nuts ever since Jimmy started with the Niners is how long he holds on to the ball. He does not have a quick release. It's, you know, I hear my husband every freaking time Jimmy steps back and it's one, two, three, damn it, throw it, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think so, a lot of that is to do with the fact that nothing good happens when he's out of the pocket because mm-hmm. he, he cannot extend a play. I think I've only seen him do it once or twice. You know, but I don't want to bash him because we're talking about the cards game and he really isn't top of the list. Right. (laughs) Well, and I'm just going over general stats that that Mark got for us. We're moving on from the game. We spent a few. uh, We we, we, we winched enough on that, right? (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Okay, so stats for Graham. Graham Ross got a specific set of stats uh, based on a conversation Mark and Graham had in the Facebook group. And I love these stats just because I can't believe the work Mark goes to. Uh, so the Niners have allowed a total of 165 first downs this season, eighth fewest in the league. The opposition has converted 39.2% of third downs, 13 fewest in the NFL for the Niners defense. For fourth downs, the figure is 45.5, 11th fewest. The offense has run 482 plays this season so far. Only the Seahawks have fewer with 442. Gee, who are we tied in the basement with? Uh, Let's see. The opposition averages 5.3 yards per play, a joint for fifth lowest. The opposition averages 20.6 first downs per game, 13th fewest. Defense gets the opposition into third down on average 12.8 times per game, 19th fewest. Defense gets the opposition into fourth down on average 1.4 times per game. I can't speak. uh, 13th fewest. And they complete 45%, which is around the middle of the pact. Average opponent time of possession is 31.34, 27th in the league. Half an hour. They get the game for just over half the game time. Opponents punts per play is 0.07, joint seventh best. I think that means that around one in 14 opposition plays is a punt. Holy crap. Uh, The best is 0.09. The worst is 0.04. Offensively, that is 0.06 with 0.1 worst and 0.4 best. Boy, he's giving me math now, and I am really awful (laughs) at math, so... These are tremendous stats. Aren't these incredible? This is why I'm like, we have to we have to share these because he works so hard on this. And we, we don't give him credit, you know, because we don't go over as much as we should. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> Defense allows an average of 34.1 yards per drive for 16th. 2.38 points per drive for 23rd and 0.059 turnovers per drive 31st. That's one turnover every 19-ish drives. Holy crap. Average starting line of scrimmage for the opposition is the 29-yard line. Not even a touchback. Uh, and the defense allows 6.08 plays per drive, the 11th fewest. 73% of sets of downs faced by the defense result in a first down or a touchdown. Oh my goodness. <laughs> 23.5 of opposition drives are three and out. Points conceded per red zone drive is 5.46, 27th, with 67.9 resulting in a t- in a touchdown. <laughs> Apparently we are number one offensively in those last stats. <laughs> points per red zone drive, 73 point, 
three, uh, 77.3% result in a touchdown. I guess the issue for us is just getting there. So there is Graham's special stats. I wonder yes. if we'll get some more next year, next week. Well, there's a, a phenomenon. I think the one that jumps out at me most was <clears throat> the last one. Where we're the worst in red zone defense, and we're the best, best. in the red zone with, when we have the ball, you know, <laughs> getting to cancel each other out. <laughs> just, just trying to make a judgment though. It, 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 those stats point to what we were saying earlier about, you know, when we when, when the offense when the defense is playing well and it creates like third and third and long or, or or gets them to third down, is that we 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 don't make that pressure tell and we let them off the hook and drive them in to end. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think the thing that we're really, really missing on defense, <laughs> despite the coordinator, is a leader on the field, is yeah. a veteran who can take control, a linebacker or a safety or somebody who's who people are going to be afraid of on their own team, you know, <laughs> and is going to lead by example. And we just don't have that. Well, the guys did give us a ton of questions and topics to go over. There were a lot of duplications, so I'm sorry if not everyone's questions or topics are covered. We do try to keep this under an hour and and keep it a a shorter podcast for you. So we're just going to do some of the relevant ones. Um, And I think a lot of them we have covered like we always do, but I want to give our group the respect that they deserve as well. Martin Hughes wants to know, seeing how we just got beat up by a beat up Cardinals team, does the we got injuries shout just not cut it anymore? Well, the Cardinals were actually more injured than we were, weren't they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it doesn't cut it anymore. I think injuries are part and parcel of the NFL, but when you have as many as we do, I think it points to other things that are wrong, you know, so nah, I nah, don't think we can ride the injury train anymore now. <laughs> Kyle just got out coached on, on, on Sunday. I mean, you look, Cliff Kingsbury um, obviously was without Kyler Murray, who was out, who was without um, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And he, he built players so that the, the ball was out quickly. I think his average, de- uh, Colt McCoy's average depth of target was 3.5 yards. So, the, the ball was getting snapped. He was he was throwing like bubble screens or quick outs to the right, getting away, keep, keeping Colt McCoy away from the pass rush, and th- they were out on the periphery, get, you know, getting getting good yards. And you know, Demeco Ryan's like you've you've said, Deepak doesn't seem to be able to make in game adjustments at all. And Kyle just d- abandoned the run, and we just got we got you know injuries are one thing, but you adapt and you adjust, and then you overcome with the players that you've got, and we just don't seem to do that. Did you not think, Simon, that um, they asked McCoy to to game manage something? Yeah. We toss around very, very sort of carelessly, but in, in its essence, it's make high percentage plays and don't make errors. You know, and if you do that, you're going to put yourself in a better chance to win than you would if you still try to draw up complex plays and schemes and and whatnot. And I think Absolutely. I think Garoppolo would be far more successful as a game manager than he would as as somebody who's trying to prove something to somebody. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, James Conner had a had a monster day, didn't he? But that was all, if you looked at the players where he broke off, it was where Colt McCoy had stepped back, he'd fake the throw to the outside and just give a delayed handoff. And, you know, our linebackers were so keen to get out into the flat to, to close the player down that once he'd broken through the line of scrimmage, there was nobody there until he got to the secondary. Yeah, it's just simple plays that are high percentage, low risk. And yeah. 
that's sometimes all you need to, to win games. Of course. And you guys have almost sort of kind of answered the next two questions I was going to ask, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to ask him anyway. Okay. Um, so our buddy James Little, we are back to being an awful team, but this time it can't be blamed on in- injuries. We have some of the best players in the league in their positions, but the supporting cast are so poor. One thing, no one can be blaming Jimmy. Here's a question for all the issues. Which is the greatest one? Coaching, discipline, or execution? And then to follow up with that, Oliver Streetfield asks, is it a case of a majority of mediocre players with a couple top tier players in the mix or poor, coach, poor coaches not getting the best from our team or a mixture of both? Gosh, well, I think with James, he's listed coaching, discipline and execution. I think you can put discipline and execution under the same umbrella as coaching. Um, but it's not one thing that's wrong. It's multiple components of the organization that are dysfunctional. It, you, you really can't say, ah, this is what's wrong with the 49ers. It could be, but there's a ton of other things that are wrong at the same time. So I think coaching, yes, but discipline and execution to me is components of coaching. I, I think there's lots and lots of things that include all of those yeah. things. And uh, as for Oliver's question, is it poor coaches not getting the best from our team? I think that's true. Look how many draft, high draft players we've got that are doing nothing, just drawing a paycheck for for just standing around doing nothing. You know. It's... Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um. Okay. Let's see. Mark Lyon, referring to my previous comment after the Colts game, Banks, Lenore, and Sermon are all inactive, and Lance had no snaps that I can remember. How do we improve when we get no production at all from our draft picks in the first four rounds, which we've been talking about? Then he goes on, Norman and Kirkpatrick are liabilities and the worst players in the secondary. Could it be any worse to play PS players and cut those two? I think hmm. we go with the rookies now. I think we get Ambry Thomas in, who, we sat, who, who was a rookie who's not got a look in. I think I think we played the Omidola Lenar if he's if he's available. He's we go we we go with Trey Lance and we just say, right guys, this is your opportunity to get some game time, get NFL ready, and we build it and we build for next year. Uh, you know, the last mathematically the last playoff spot is 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 achievable. Is it realistic? I don't think so. And it doesn't matter. So what if we did no. make the playoffs? Then what? Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Look at the other teams that'll make the playoffs. Do we have but, a chance? But I think another reason why we really should be giving these rookies some game time is not all of them will make the 53-man roster next year. And the one thing we do not have right now is draft capital. Mm-hmm. So even though they don't make our roster, we could get something back from the dra- from the draft picks that we 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 don't have. You know. Absolutely. And our cap space is pretty limited as well. So I don't think free agency is going to be a big help this time around either. How come nobody's no. asking about OBJ? Come on. What oh, it's you? coming. Shush. <laughs> it's coming. Oh, my God. Okay, I'll ask it. Nathaniel <laughs> <and> James. <laughs> What's the new and heard out? When do the cast believe OBJ is going to arrive in the Bay Area? Now, I am going to add a caveat because I read this morning uh, per AP and ESPN, OBJ is reportedly eyeing the Chiefs, Packers, and Saints. Okay. That's, yeah. that's so the next time take... you're in the Bay Area with one of those teams. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know everyone hates him, and, and I don't think too much to him either, but I'd rather win with an A-hole than just lose. <laughs> so I would be all in favour of it, personally. Well, we I did would... take Deion Sanders one year, didn't we? <laughs> uh, I, 
But the thing is, he wants to go to a team that's going to be competitive, and clearly yeah. we're not. So uh, I don't pick pickers anyway. Nice thought, though. <laughs> and then our last question is from Paul Marsh. With so many players' contracts ending, this team will look very different next year. Firstly, do you trust Shanahan and Lynch to be able to rebuild this roster? And secondly, should we trade any of our assets to acquire some first-round draft picks? If yes, which assets? Ouch. Yeah. yeah. And again, it's something that we just talked about, Simon, is draft mm-hmm. capital. You know, who do yeah. we have worth the damn? You're looking at Warner, Bosa, Kittle, people like that. They can get you some high draft picks. I wouldn't be surprised if any one of those four were traded just so that we could get some draft choices back. But going back to the beginning of his question, he's asking, do we trust Shanahan and Lynch to rebuild this roster? They may not be in a position where they're going to be rebuilding anything next season. So no. it's moot. That, that, that's the nervous part for me is that I, I'm I'm losing faith in the front office and, and, and the coaching setup and, I never thought I was there. I was super excited when mm-hmm. when, we, when we got Kyle and you know obviously after the Super Bowl run with John Lynch and it was the you know going back to the nine away and rebuilding that identity. But it's just don't know what's happened and I don't I don't trust them to rebuild. And so yeah. and and just a week we had an opportunity to get rid of Jimmy G that would have got us some draft capital left. Maybe not a first, but maybe a second or a third. Yeah. And like you say, there's only Kittle, Warner, and mm-hmm. Bosa really who are worthy of a first round pick and. They're the guys that you. They're the you know mentioned leaders. They're the two of those guys are, 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 are the ones we mentioned to be leaders. So where does that leave you? And not only that, I mean, there's a lot of talk all over the internet about you know it's it's an understandable reaction. Fire Shanahan, fire Lynch, blah blah blah. And I say, okay, let's fire them. Then what? Exactly. Yeah, who do you get in? The yeah. The fire, firing them might be far worse than them actually staying. You know. Right. Um, I know. Do we want Trent Balky back? I mean, that's really what I'm afraid of, is that we're going to regress. Yeah, it needs to be thought through very, very carefully. And you need to have not only a replacement in mind, but this replacement has to have a plan to build for a future, you know. And yeah. we're building for a future since 1995. It's getting <laughs> old now, you know. Yeah. No, but seriously, this fan base deserves a championship. And if they buy one with washed out free agents or free agents who are going to cost a bit, then so be it. But I think this current idea of let's build, let's build, let's build is no, it's not going to work. We want to win and we want to win now. Look at the Rams. They're spending money left, right and center. They're throwing the kitchen sink at winning the Super Bowl this year. And look at the team, you know, that. They want to win, and they've made it their intention. They've, they've made it very unambiguous about their intentions. I just wish we were like that. We, could we have were got Tom, in we could have got We could have got Tom Brady. Could have got Brady, and that would have meant, or even Aaron Rodgers, that would have got attracted other free agents who wanted to have a championship and knew that it would be a good, good chance with those two, with one of those two, and they would have come to us, and we would have got our little one-and-done Super Bowl. You know, yeah, and, and got, that leadership, level of leadership at the QB position that we've mentioned. Yeah, exactly. So it would have left us in an infinitely better position. I mean, we may not have even won the Super Bowl, but I think with either Brady or Aaron Rodgers under centre, we we would have had a better season than we're having right now. I, I'm convinced of that yeah, because 100%. they are experienced and, uh, dare I say it, you know, both of them are going to Canton. Shanahan might not, you know. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, if we had Rodgers on our team, he'd be getting a heck of a lot more flack if uh, over this whole uh, immunization BS. 
Yeah, well, that's... that's <laughs> I mean, let's face it, it's the Niners. They love coming after the Niners. Sometimes <laughs> things happen for a reason, and maybe it's for the best they didn't come here. But Tom Brady's having an NFL MVP season. Yeah. He, he <laughs> is a different gravy, that guy. He's incredible. Well, speaking of the Rams, <clears throat> guess who we meet Monday night at home? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Week 10 will be a Monday night game at Levi Stadium. The Rams are coming in. The Niners lead the all-time series currently, 73-67-3, with the Niners winning the last four meetings and eight of the last 11. The last meeting was a 23-20 win for the Niners in week 12 of, of 2020 in L.A., again, away. A last-second Robbie Gold field goal sealing the win. Rams lost to the Titans in L.A. last week on Sunday night, 28-16, giving them a record for 7-2, and and they're in second place in the NFC West. Um, Guys, I'm afraid nope. I do not have much hope, and I hate being like this. They may see us as a trap game, but they'd be pretty foolish if they did. Mm-hmm. Really, you know. I think it's one that they should win comfortably, um, purely because of the amount of quality they've got and their motivational levels are quite high. Despite losing to the Titans, who I actually think are garbage, but they somehow managed to be the Rams, who are a good team. So it does Without go. Derek to Henry show. as well. Yeah, it does go to show it's that any given Sunday thing, you know, where anything can happen. Look at the Chiefs; they're in meltdown. You never know, but hey, we're the West Coast Jets. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) that's funny. (laughs) We we haven't sucked as long as the Jets have, but. (laughs) I'd argue that perhaps we have, if you take away. (laughs) But the thing is, it is the Rams, and I think the rivalry thing is more for fans than it is the players. I mean, I'm old school like you, Kat, so we. Totally. We know what a game against the Rams means to us. Yeah. You know, it's a huge deal it's, for us. Yeah. yeah. And before them, it was the Saints. Remember, mm-hmm. we had the Saints, the Rams, and the Falcons. That, that well, was our Sa- and, and Saints and Falcons are still pretty big for me just because of that old school rivalry. <laughs> you know. So anything can happen, but I, I think it's highly doubtful that we, we would get a win. And, uh, but we, we need one because we need yeah. to build something. Because right now, if we're tanking, only one team gets any pleasure from this, and that's Miami because of that draft pick that they're going to get from us. You know, they want us to lose. So even if we sucked, all <laughs> it doesn't benefit us. I'm getting off work early, so I don't miss kickoff because I always miss kickoff of the evening games. But I still don't have hope. But I'm a Niner fan. I'm going to be there and watch it to the bitter end. That's what we do. Exactly. And we are opening as a three and a half point underdog for the game. I'm sure that has increased. I have not looked. Well, guys, well, <laughs> I got sneaky during the podcast and I started setting up a couple extra questions in the two minute drill because I want to try and make this a little more interesting. Are you guys ready to play? Yeah. Two minutes on the clock. Here we go. Simon, is this lost solely on the defense? No. Deepak, why is Coach continually ignoring his high draft picks? I think you'll have to ask him. I have absolutely no idea. (laughs) Simon, will the Rams game be Jimmy's last? I'm kind of hoping that the Cardinals game was, to be fair. (laughs) Fair enough. 
Uh, Deepak, I know we covered this, but do you, would you think that OBJ would be worth the gamble? Yep, high risk, Completely. high risk. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm all in. Bring him in. Okay. <laughs> Simon, do you think we'll see Von Miller on Monday? Uh, yeah. I'd say probably see a lot of, not as much as Jimmy Giles here of him, but yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, Deepak, should Jimmy struggle? Should he be pulled in the first or take over, or should Trey take over in the second half? I think if he's hurt, then pull him. Otherwise, just let him play. Okay. Uh, Simon, is Lynch in real danger of getting fired? Uh, they, they should be, but whether or not um, the Yorks feel that there's a good, better alternative out there or not, I don't know. Uh, Deepak, oh, I missed one. Why is the defense struggling so badly? Defensive coordinator, that's all I'm going to say. Coaching, sounds like it. <laughs> Simon, where's our biggest need at the moment via the draft? Um, via the draft, it's not, well, it's not where our biggest need is. It's free agency to get some good veterans, good solid veterans back in the team. Nice. Deepak, is there a real chance we end up, and this one's hard for me to read, giving up a really high draft pick for the first we gave away for Lance? No, I don't think so. He's our future. We're going to... We're going to ride and die with this poor kid. Okay. And last question, because I'm running out of time. Simon, coach now has the same winning percentage as Chip. Is he better off just being an offensive coordinator? I think so. And we're out of time. <laughs> we hit it right before the buzzer. Amazing. <laughs> I always <laughs> questions in and we never do. <laughs> well, thank you for playing, boys. And I, just because Neil put this in here, and, you know, we've been saying – that we're we suck at home and we're great on the road do you think we finish above 500 no very very yeah i don't, I, I don't think so either i think i think, I think the, the maximum we can look at is probably six wins maybe Seven plus wins. we also have 17 games this year so we're either going to yeah. be above or below just above or just below mm-hmm. <laughs> well guys that's all we got it's time to say goodbye boys Bye, everyone. Goodbye, boys. Thanks to Audionautics.com for the music. Thanks to Mark Lyon, Andrew Mitchell, Daryl Nils-Hanman, Neil Jepson, Deepak Gohill, Paul McDonald, James Little, Rob Newell, Kev Nyland, Simon Holdsworth, Nathaniel James, Stephen Box, and Graham Ross for all that they do in the group and on the show. Apologies to anyone I may have missed. Thank you to all in the group who continually contribute, whether it's in the game day thread or the sharing of other content. We'd love to have you on the show. Just let us know. You can message any of the admins in the group or email us. Or you can check out the calendar under announcements in the Facebook group and sign up for a date. I'll contact you via messenger and we'll make further arrangements. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Niner Empire GB and on Facebook, search for the group Niner Empire Great Britain. Don't forget to check out the blog, which is available on your favorite podcast app. You can also email us at Frequency49Show at gmail.com. On behalf of Deepak Goldhill and Simon Holdsworth, I'm Kat Victorino. We'll be back next week. Goodbye for now.